Happy to have you with us this morning afresh. And uh, now we would like you to turn with us, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 26. The book of Acts, chapter 26. I'd like you to read with me, please, this morning from verse 4 of Acts 26. My manner of life from my youth, and this is the Apostle Paul speaking now, and he's standing before King Agrippa, and he says these words from, my, from the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, under which promise our twelve tribes instantly served God day and night. Hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I did, also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I promised them oft in every synagogue, punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceeding mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining around about me and them which journey with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice saying unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both to these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Shall we just bow in a short word of prayer? Our Father, this morning as we endeavor to explain what it really means to be saved. 
what it really means to have eternal life. Wilt thou quicken thy word? Wilt thou bring someone out of that state of darkness to light? Out of that state of the power of Satan unto God? That they too may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith. Oh, grant this this morning, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, we have been studying in the weeks that we have of the past and have been looking at the Word of God from the book of Romans, and we have arrived actually at the book of Romans, chapter 8, and we're, God willing, we're intending to look at Romans chapter 8 and the last five verses this morning. But somehow or other, it's the privilege of a preacher to change his message when we trust that God is really in it this morning. I just don't, I'm not able to explain the reason this morning, but I just feel very constrained to tell you this morning how I got saved. How the Lord Jesus saved me by his grace. I feel constrained to do that this morning. Don't ask me to explain it. I can't. However, that's why I read the Apostle Paul's conversion this morning, and uh, in the, we read in Acts chapter 26. I too uh, was brought up in, like the Apostle Paul to some degree, uh, was brought up in a, although not a Christian home in the fullest sense of the word, I was brought up in a God-fearing home. My mother uh, was one who continuously taught me to go to Sunday school and uh, to uh, church, and my father was very sympathetic in that way. He certainly didn't do anything to hinder me. However, I just want to say my father certainly knew nothing about the grace of God operative in his life. You know, being brought up in that kind of an atmosphere, of course, we, we certainly uh, was very thankful to the Lord for this, although we, uh, as I look back and remember this, it, a church was really, to me at that time, was pretty well exactly just a matter of me mechanics. But as I grew up into my youth, I can remember how that during the course of my time as a youth, that... One of the things that was outstanding to my, in my memory was the fact that I used to go to, uh, uh, to church very mechanically and somehow or other there just wasn't any message that I could remember specifically that God was speaking to my soul as an individual. And I grew up as a youth and of course I was very heavily involved in sports. In fact, I've often said that you know, I don't know how I ever passed into high, into high school or even during high school because I was so heavily involved, I believe the teachers were just sympathetic towards me and passed me anyway. I don't know why. But anyway, that was the case. I was very, very heavily involved in sports but, and had a great deal of success in this. But there was one thing, ladies and gentlemen, that was very prominent at this time. There were definite times in my life when the, the peak of success as a youth uh, in sports and, and in somewhat of popularity at school, 
I would come home and sit on the edge of my bed and I would say, in my heart, I would say, isn't there something more than this in, in life? There seemed to be a void. There seemed to be a vacancy there. There seemed to be just something there that I just wasn't satisfied with. And so I used to pass this off as just a kind of a passing few thoughts. And, but nevertheless, it would reoccur on different occasions. And so in the, in, the late, in the latter part of the early part of the Depression, I then I went to, uh, to uh, uh, got out of school and left high school. And I've often said to the people, although young people are almost believed that this is a fairy tale, in fact, my nephew, when I told him that I left high school to work for 20 cents a day in my board, in my room, he said, come on, come on, Uncle Ray, don't give me that stuff. And that's what I was. At a, at a project at RCF Station Trenton before it became such a place, that's what I worked for. And so after this, because of my ability to play hockey and ball and other sports, I went to northern Ontario. And there, uh, if anyone has ever lived in Ontario, they know that many of the hockey players of, any, of great repute come from northern Ontario. And so I went there because there was a great deal during the Depression days. There was, this was the only area, Kirkland Lake, and the Porcupine Districts, which was Timmins and Sumacher, were the two places principally in the whole of Canada. Now, there may be other little pockets, but these were two principal places where there was lots of work and also uh, there was a reasonable amount of economy that would uh, keep people from really having problems. But during the course of my career in northern Ontario, I was, became a hard rock miner. And you know, what I had learned at Sunday school, and which was very meager, and what moral qualities I had during my sports career, and this is what kept me out of all the problems and difficulty of those days, was my sports life. I certainly, up in there, certainly learned to know what sin was. I knew what it was. Believe this or not, I knew what it was to sit at a poker table for 36 hours. The only thing to do would be get up and have a bite to eat and a bite to drink. I knew what, I learned to know what real sin was. And you know, again, uh, on many occasions, I could tell you, I could spend a whole lot of time this morning thinking of how that God preserved me during the mines. You haven't any idea how the, in those days the safety was so was so little, there was so little care about men's lives in those days. And I can recall how being in two cave-ins particularly, and in the mercy of God, I was preserved. And about 1937, my dad was then moving from the, the cartage business with horses into a, to a, into a trucking outfit, and, and so he continuously wanted me to come to, back home to southern Ontario to take a job with him. Finally, I did. And in 1937, I returned from northern Ontario uh, to southern Ontario. But the interesting thing was, in April 1937, my boyfriend, who, who he and I 
just as little fellows going to school. We went to, in fact, we went to the first grade together and right up through high school to uh, element, or primary school into elementary school. And uh, we went to, to school together at that time. He had gotten to know the Lord Jesus in a very personal way. In fact, not to my knowledge, he and my mother, in the kitchen in our home, bowed together one day as they thought of me up in northern Ontario and prayed that, and covenanted together that they would pray that Ray Fox would really get saved. And you know, when I came home in August 1937, it was wonderful that the first place I went was to see my old boyfriend. He and I were very close. And so as we sat one evening, he wasn't too well, and we were sitting in a tent that we ha he had in his backyard, and we were talking about many things. And, and I said, you know, Mac, with all my success that we have had in, in my lifetime as far as, uh, as many things is concerned, I'm still empty inside. And he said, Ray, I'll tell you what can fill your life. And he told me, of how that the Lord Jesus, he came, he came to save me, to bring real joy and peace into the heart of every sinner. He explained to me how that I needed to be forgiven of my sins and to be cleansed and to be brought into that place of where God now wants to save you, Ray, and I can remember him saying to me so clearly, I said, Mac, I'm too great a sinner to be saved. Ah, he says, I can remember this just as well. Ray, that's who he came to save was great sinners. For it says he came to seek and to save those that were lost. And so as Mac then began to tell me that story, I knew each time we got together, I brought the subject up, and I knew that this was what I wanted. It was really, really ringing bells in my heart, as it were. It was really, really, really coming through to me in, in full force. So one night we were sitting in the car beside his house, which we commonly used to do, and I can remember him, he used to talk to me about being born again, and I'd say, born again? Finally, I said, Mac, I don't know what that is. Born again? Man, I, I'm really at a loss as to understand what that is. And he said, well, I don't know much. Remember, he's only was saved just a few months. I came home in August, and he was saved in April. This would be sometime in September or October, so just a few months, and he said, well, Ray, I can't tell you all the details about what it really means. He said, I can't explain it, but let me read you the scripture. And so he turned to John chapter 3, and he said, as he read to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is just flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is just, is really the Spirit. But, so therefore ye must 
be born again. And then he read a verse I'll never forget as long as God gives me a memory. And this was the verse of how you can be born again. That, you see, the wind blows where it listeth. Verse 8 of John 3. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. And you know, that night I sat there and I thought, yeah, I can't, I can't see the wind. What do I see? The effects of the wind. I see the effects of the Spirit of God in this, this man's life, this, this my friend's life. I see, I see what the Spirit of God has done. So I see the effects of the wind. That which is, you see, the wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound but canst not tell. You don't see the wind, or I don't see the wind. But ah, we see the evidences of the wind. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. And I quietly just said, Lord, I don't understand what it means to be born of the Spirit. I know I don't understand anything about the wind either. But Lord, I'm just going to believe right now that your Spirit is going to enter me. don't understand it at all. But I'm going to believe it. And you know, I didn't say anything to him. I just left. Then I said, Maggie, I gotta go home. And I drove out from my house, which was to his house, was maybe three or four or five miles. Then I pulled up beside my house at 58 Dundas Street East in the town of Trenton. And I began to sit there. And as I sat there beside my house in, the, in that town, I could mark the spot. I can't now because there's a building on it. But I could mark the spot where I drove up beside my house. and I sat there in my car and just meditated. What did I really do? I just wasn't sure what I had done fully. But while I was sitting there, you know, and this is what caused me to change my message this morning. The Lord Jesus brought Calvary before me. Those two hymns changed my whole message this morning. I saw one hanging on a tree. Oh, it wasn't a vision, friends. It wasn't a vision. I just sat there and the Lord Jesus became a reality as he, as he there was hanging between heaven and earth. And I saw him just as though he was there just with me. And as though he had blanked me out now of all the whole world. And though I was there only, I was just the only sinner in all of God's earth. And I think this hymn expresses my heart. about the best of any I can express. I saw one hanging on a tree. An agony in blood. He fixed his... Languid eyes on me as near the cross I stood. Yes. Sure, never till my latest breath can I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death. As near that cross I stood. My conscience felt and owned the guilt. 
friends, this hard-hearted, young, wicked sinner, both as by life and by practice, my conscience felt and owned the guilt and plunged me in despair. I saw my sins, his blood had spilt and helped to nail him there. Alas, I, I knew not what I did. But now my tears were real and vain. Where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I, I, the Lord had slain. O oh, Christ died for our sins. But beloved friend this morning, listen, your sins, your sins this morning, your sins, nailed them there just like mine. You see, where shall my trembling soul be hid? For I, 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 the Lord had slain. But ah, a second look he gave to me, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I died, Ray, that you might live. Ladies and gentlemen, you see, that's all I understood about Christ dying on the cross before. I understood to some degree of him dying for sinners. I understood him dying for the world, but all I didn't realize, beloved, that he died for me just as though I were the only sinner in all of God's earth. And that, that shall bring salvation to you this morning. But let me tell you, nothing else will. Oh, not my experience will, but you coming just as a lost, helpless, guilty, Condemned sinner. For that's what you are, and that's what I was. And found a refuge. Found life. Found forgiveness. Brought my soul from darkness into that infinite light of the glorious gospel of Christ. You see, that's what salvation is all about, ladies and gentlemen. How oh, that, that beautiful hymn. Oh, can it be, you see, oh, can it be that you this morning, you see, he, he has charged you this morning with his death. For it was your sins that nailed him there. Everyone, your sins and mine. Never forget this. But you see, ladies and gentlemen, as God then began to exercise my heart, it's very interesting that 
this young man was going with a high school chum of ours. We used to, we would meet with her periodically and we used to go with her to different places after we were saved and we used to travel from one spot to the other. And it's very interesting that this high school chum and friend was, she's been traveling with me for now some 40 years. You see, she became my wife. And uh, just let me say that as we think of this this morning, that I'm so thankful. Oh, you, you haven't any idea how, how thankful I am for that fact. Only the Lord knows. And you see, it's interesting that my dad and I now were in working together in the trucks, and we had one truck in those days. And from 1937, I had a, we've had some experiences in the meantime, just let me say in passing that during the course of the war, I was spent three years in, or so in the war, and uh, the Lord knew I was going to need a secretary and look after things while I was away, and and he provided the right person in my wife for three years. However, after the last World War, it's very interesting as things began to move and so on, and as business began to prosper from that time until 1961, when God exercised my heart about selling my business. But isn't it wonderful that as we look back, I, I think of how that God gave me a verse. And I want to speak to young people, particularly this morning, but I don't want to be speak, speaking specifically to young people, but I want to speak to everyone, but I do want to speak very definitely to young people. The Lord gave me a verse as a young man, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 and verse 33. And all things will be added unto you. Look. Oh, to learn this lesson. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all things will be added unto you. God will add them. But give him first place. For you see what happened in my life. Now look. After I, saw, after I was in business for some number of years, many times I got off of that verse. I got away from that verse. Many times I failed God in that verse. But you know what the Lord would say? Ray, don't you remember the verse I gave you? Go back to it. Seek first, Ray. You're off track. Seek first and back he'd bring me. Back to that verse. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God, right? God did add to my work business. When we sold a business, we had some 30 trucks and equipment, several warehouses. And in 1961, in the early part of January, I sold my company, and I have been in full-time service in that sense, I don't like to use that term, but for the sake of understanding, helping the Lord's people and trying to reach souls for Christ. 
But oh, I want to leave this message to you this morning if you're here out of Christ. I just want to leave this message with you. Look, oh, you don't have to understand all about the gospel. Are you prepared to take the place that God has given you? And that is a sinner. Are you to face reality this morning? Please don't be concerned about any particular sins. May God show you that you're the sinner. And you're under the sentence of death. And you know, ultimately, that sentence of death, if you go on and die in your sins, the Bible says, whether I am, said the Lord Jesus in John 6, ye cannot come. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're here this morning, and you're still in that state of death, don't try to get dressed up. Don't try to say, I under try to understand it all. I want to wait. I want to wait. Listen, you can wait too long. For you see, the Bible says so clearly and so definitely, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Right now. Oh, oh, to this morning, beloved friend, remember, now is the time to be saved. The devil says tomorrow. And I know there are literally, I can assure you this morning, just as sure as you're sitting in this auditorium breathing God's air, there are myriads, not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, but myriads of souls in hell. For what reason? They intended to be saved, but it was too late. Too late. Too late was the cry. They just put it off. They neglected God's salvation. That's all you have to do. Just neglect it. Just going on the way you are. Just continuing the course that you're presently taking. And just as sure as you're here this morning, and you die that way, it's appointed unto man once to die. So many times you hear people say, it's be he's better off. Oh, no. You know, I want to tell you just a little incident about this, and then I'll close. I can recall one time standing beside a coffin along with another preacher who was endeavoring to tell us that this man, this man was better off. And you know, friends, I happen to know this man because he worked for me. And this man was a terrible blasphemer, cursed the name of God. And he used to, I used to speak to him about it, but he would never pay any attention. 
And you know, he died very suddenly. Now, I don't know what happened between one moment and the next, but I know one thing, if he died as he lived, that man is lost forever. I know that. But I can't say for 100% that's how he died. But it's very dangerously possible. That's what happened. I wonder this morning as I close, if God should take breath from your body where you're sitting, where would you go? Well, I'm not asking you what kind of a church member are you. I'm not asking you as to whether or not you profess to be saved. I'm asking you, where would your soul be if God should take breath from your body this morning? Where would it be? Where would you go? And you see, the Bible says, the Word of God, not the Gospel Hall, not Ray Fox, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, I'm so thankful this morning that in the mercy of God I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. When he turned those languid eyes on me as near that cross, I sat and stood or, or sat in my car. Oh, I'm so thankful this morning that a second look he gave to me as near that cross I was I hear him say this morning, forgive, for I have died in your place that you might live. You too this morning can right now, as we bow our hearts at this time, shall we pray. God has spoken to your heart this morning. If you at this very moment know that what we've been saying is true and you want Christ to forgive you, why don't you just now your doubtings give over. Just right now as he comes to knock on your heart's door, say be the language of the Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open the door, I will come in and sup with you and you with me. As the Lord does this this morning, why don't you just trust him just where you are? The Lord will do the same for you as he did for me. I didn't understand it. I didn't really know hardly anything about it except I just wanted him. I wanted his forgiveness. I wanted to know his satisfaction. Are you like that this morning? If you are, 
just open your and say, Lord Jesus, I will trust thee. Trust thee with my soul. Guilty, lost, helpless. Thou canst make me whole. O oh God, put thy hand upon thy word this morning and upon this testimony. Not because of how it was given or any other way. Just bless. Bless it for thy glory. Save someone this morning. Bring salvation to someone this morning in this room. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.